0: No matter where the journey of life takes us, and no matter whether that journey at times is filled with unanticipated surprises, some of which we are happy about and others which we are not happy about, the Lord is there, even there. And when we take the journey of life through the valley, the Lord is there in the valley. As much as He is with us at any place that we are in life. Sometimes when we're in the valley, it is more challenging and difficult to sense the presence of the Lord. But our ability to sense His presence in no way takes away from the reality of His presence in the valley. This morning, I want us to look at two passages of Scripture. The sermon outline that's in your bulletin we're going to save for another Sunday we're going to look at Psalm 23 and verse 4, and we're going to look at John chapter 20 and verse 18. The 23rd Psalm is written by David, who became the great king of Israel. He grew up literally as a young boy into a teenager in a young adulthood, there in the deserts and the fields of Palestine, Israel, as a shepherd. And he learned firsthand as he shepherded a flock of sheep, as so many did in that day, what it was like to shepherd and what shepherds went through and how they cared for their sheep. And out of that background, he wrote what we call today the 23rd Psalm, which is perhaps the best known passage in the Bible. The 20th chapter of John's Gospel is the story of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that first resurrection Sunday. And the words we're going to look at there are the words of Mary Magdalene. She had followed Jesus for a number of years during His public ministry, been very devoted to Him. And this morning, she went to the tomb, fully anticipating that He would be in the tomb. And she came for her last visit to the tomb that day. And when she arrived, to her horror, she discovered that the stone was rolled away and that the body was missing. She did not come to anticipate and celebrate a resurrection. And so when she saw that the tomb was empty and the body was gone, she assumed the body had been moved, perhaps robbed. And so she was horrified as well as this seemed to only intensify the grief that she was in. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now, he uses the metaphor here of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. David, no doubt, knew what it was to take a flock of sheep and proceed through a valley. And as either the sun was coming up in the morning or even more so as the sun would be going down in the afternoon, the... Mountains around the valley block the sunlight from the valley, and so the valley becomes very dark. When I was pastored in Galax, I moved from Virginia Beach to Galax, and we had this tradition of a sunrise service. Now, if you're down at the ocean front, the sun is out in all its brilliance at six o'clock in the morning. So I decided we would have a six o'clock service in Galax, forgetting that we were in the mountains. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, it was pitch black dark outside, so we had to have our sunrise service in the sanctuary. At 7 o'clock, it was absolutely beautiful in the sanctuary and outside with the sun being up. But I discovered through that experience of being on the eastern part of the state... And uh, then move to the western part of the state that mountains block the sun. And so that's sort of the idea that he's got here. When they go through that valley, those mountains are blocking the sun. And so you get shadows that begin to appear. And he would have experienced that again with those sheep. When the Bible talks about here though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What is this valley like? Jesus walked through that valley from the cross through death to the tomb. It's the valley that the disciples walked through when Jesus was taken from them on that Thursday night. He was put through a trial, crucified. And then for three days, they walked that valley as He lay in the grave, not anticipating a resurrection, thinking all of their hope and their dreams, everything was gone and over with. The valley that those disciples walked through. And in the valley... We tend to ask some questions, and if we're not careful, we reach some pretty tough conclusions. The question that we tend to ask the most in the valley is a simple, direct question to God with only two words. Why God? Why did you allow this? Why God? How many times have you and I asked the question, why God? Last night, as Helen and I were getting ready to go to bed, we were discussing Vicky's passing. And that was a question that both of us asked. Lord, why Vicky? Why now? Why at her age? Why with all that she was doing in your service? Why God? And we tend to ask that question, and it is an understandable question. And if you live very long on this earth, you and I are going to probably ask that question repeated times over. And I don't consider it irrel- uh, being you know, disrespectful of the Lord when we ask that question. Why God? God, why did you allow this? And it's easy when we ask that question to reach the conclusion, well, God doesn't love me. Or He doesn't love us. Or God has forsaken me. Or He has forsaken us. Or the ultimate conclusion, well, God doesn't seem to listen. God doesn't seem to respond. Maybe God doesn't exist in the first place. Why God? Lord, where are you? Why aren't you answering prayer? Why aren't you doing what we want you to do? Someone has observed about American Christianity that we lack a theology of suffering. In other words, we don't really know how to deal so often with suffering because we really haven't engaged God as to what He wants to say to us and why He does allow it. Notice what he says. Even though I, notice the verb there, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The psalmist writing this psalm takes this as a promise from God. Now most of the time we want to claim the promises in the Bible that we like. And we just as soon ignore the promises that we don't like. But this is a promise that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, frankly, it's a promise that I don't particularly like. I don't particularly want to walk around and claim it. But it is a promise that God says, there are going to be some valleys in life. We are going to walk from time to time through the valley of the shadow of death. But notice the verb that He uses. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He commits to walk with us through this valley. He commits to walk with us through the valley and then out of that valley, eventually. And if you keep walking with Him, just walking with Him, you eventually will walk through the valley. And you will eventually get through the valley and out of the valley. Now He says walk. Walking sometimes is as simple as just putting one step A foot in front of another. There are times in life when we can walk and we can get through it and it's almost effortless. And then there are times in life when just getting through the day is an accomplishment. When just getting one step in front of another and saying, I'm going to keep on going. And this step takes as much effort as running would have taken yesterday. And he says, walk. He doesn't tell us we've got to run. He says, I just want you to walk through the valley. Walk. Don't feel like you've got to run. When you and I run, it's usually because we often are running from something. Walking means I'm not scared about what's behind me. I'm not fearful about something catching up with me. I'm not scared I'm going to get overtaken by something that's going to knock me out of the game. It means i got confidence and peace to just put one foot in front of the other and keep going. A lot of times if we're not careful in life, we run from grief. Because grief is no fun to experience. And we don't want to wrestle with it. And we don't want to experience it. So we run from it. But the worst thing we can do with grief is run from it. The best thing we can do with grief is face it and with God's presence walk up to it and walk through it. That is the path of healing. And He says, I want you to walk through the valley. Notice he does not say, I crawl in exhaustion through the valley and barely pull myself through the experience of it. He doesn't say, I lie down and I give up and I surrender myself to the power of the shadow of death. He says, I'm walking through the valley. I've got the energy to walk. I've got the focus to walk. And I recognize that I am on a journey. The morning of the resurrection, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, Mary Magdalene walked through the valley of the shadow of death on her way To the tomb that morning. And I want you to join the story with me in John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. It's a fascinating sentence. She did not know that it was Jesus. She went to the tomb expecting that His body would be dead in the tomb. She did not go to the tomb. anticipating that he was going to be alive and outside of the tomb. So Jesus is standing there right beside her, literally right in front of her, and she doesn't see him. She looks right into his face and doesn't recognize him. She's in his presence and doesn't realize it because she has no anticipation that A, he's going to be there alive, and B, that he would be resurrected and in great shape. I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not, but have you ever been to the mall or the grocery store? And it's sort of hard to have this experience now with everybody wearing a mask. I've joked that I'm I'm having to learn to read people's foreheads and figure out who folks are nowadays instead of looking at their faces. But have you ever had this experience? You'll walk up to somebody and and you almost walk up to them. And you know them well, and you almost run into them. And they look at you, and because they're not anticipating that you're going to be there, they look at you, and they don't even recognize you. They don't stop. They just keep right on going. I've had the experience, too. Someone said, well, I saw you at Kroger the other day or wherever and looked right at you, and you didn't even say hi. And I don't remember seeing them. I was focused too much on my box of cereal or whatever, so I didn't pay any attention to him. And I, was, I looked right at you, and you didn't even recognize me. That's because I didn't go in there looking for him, and I wasn't looking for him while I was in the aisle, so I didn't recognize him when I was there. Well, she got up that morning, and she was not anticipating meeting Jesus, and she surely was not anticipating meeting Jesus the way Jesus showed up, alive, well, conqueror, resurrected. And so she missed him completely. And sometimes we say, where is God? And we've in reality, we have bumped right into him, but we don't recognize him. He's right there and we're not seeing him because he's shown up in a way that we didn't anticipate that he would show up. He's speaking into our lives, but we're not really anticipating and expecting what he's going to say into our lives. He's always there. But the challenge that we have is that we don't dictate the terms on which he shows up. We just simply have to discern how he's showing up in our lives and move with him in that. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Notice how Jesus got her attention. He did not perform a miracle. He did not say... Mary, this is Jesus. He didn't click His finger and get an angel choir to start singing their heads off and the trumpets of heaven to start playing. Nothing spectacular happened. He just spoke her name. But when He said her name, she not only heard a voice she was used to hearing, she heard a relationship. Because the way He spoke her name was unique to Jesus. You see, so many times we miss what Jesus has for us, particularly in the valley, because we are looking for an angel choir. We are looking for a miracle. We are looking for Jesus to show up and do something spectacular. I mean, after all, don't we live in a culture today that the way someone gets your attention And the way our attention is arrested is that it's big and it's splashy. But what we need is not the big and the loud and the splashy. What we simply need is to hear Him call our name. And Jesus knows how to speak your name. He knows how to be personal. He knows how to be close to you. He knows how to speak into our lives and to the real core of who we are. Just listen. And the thing that I love about him speaking her name is he was personal. He was personal. There have been some times in the journey of my life that I've lost people that I was close to. And I've wondered, how am I going to continue on in life without them? And one lesson I've learned repeatedly during those times is that not only is the Lord with me, But that loss, as painful as it is, provides an opportunity to deepen our walk with Jesus. To go closer and deeper with Him than we have been. Because you see, often when we lose someone that is close to us, a person has walked closely with the Lord, they have been in our lives who they have been because of their walk with Jesus. And if we will deepen our walk with Jesus, we will discover the same grace and love and truth in person of who He is, relationship we can have with Him that they had with Him. Notice how she moves from this story. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to Me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to My brothers and say to them, I am ascending to My Father. I love the use that He gives of the... First person, personal pronouns, possessive pronouns. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that He had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. That's what got her through the valley. And out of the valley. I have seen the Lord. And Folks, we won't get out of the valley. till we can say the same thing. I have seen the Lord. She could say it because He had resurrected. And you see, resurrection day is every day. It's not just one Sunday a year we call Easter. Resurrection day, since He rose from the dead is every day. Every day, we can say, I have seen the Lord. Psalm 23 and verse 4. He says, I don't fear anything. I don't fear any evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your presence, Lord, makes all the difference. When you and I face a valley... Our natural temptation is to look inside ourselves and ask ourselves the question, do I have what it takes to go through this valley? And we begin to take an inventory. Do I have enough courage? Do I have enough strength? Do I have enough whatever it is to get through this valley? And then often we give up going through the valley and give out in the valley because we say, I don't have enough strength. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have the other. Sometimes we turn to things as crutches or we go into denial because we say, I can't get through the valley. And what he's saying to us here is, don't take an inventory of what you've got to get you through the valley. We're all going to come up short sooner or later. Take an inventory of who Jesus is to get us through the valley. Who is He? He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the captain of our salvation. He's our healer. He's the conqueror of sin, death, and the grave. Take an inventory of Jesus. And lean into who He is. And lean on who and what He is. And He will walk you through the valley. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used by the shepherd to beat back the foes. The Bible says that we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb in the word of our testimony. Your staff comforts me. The staff was used by the shepherd for two reasons. One was to guide the sheep. He would point the sheep in the direction he wanted them to go. But the shepherd's staff had a crook on the end of it. And The crook was used to reach out and to take hold of a sheep that had fallen into a crevice or that had gotten out in the water and the shepherd had to pull him back out of the water where he was about to drown. And so he used both ends of that staff, one to guide and the other to pull the sheep to safety. Your staff. He pulls us from what has overwhelmed us and we can't get out of. And He guides us. That morning that Mary Magdalene walked to that tomb and looked inside, she thought, It was the end. She thought she was experiencing the ending of Jesus' life, the ending of her hope, the ending of her dreams, the ending of all He was about. With God, the ending does not mean The end. With God, the ending does not mean the end. It was an ending that morning. It was the ending of all of his life and ministry before the resurrection. But it was not the end. What lay on the other side of this ending? was the disciples having breakfast with Jesus. What lay on the other side of this ending was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What lay on the other side of this ending was everything that you see in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. I can't stress this enough. There is never an end with God. There is never an end with God. There are changes and there are differences, but there is never an end with God. He always sees to it that there is a tomorrow. The resurrection assures us that there is always a tomorrow and that the tomorrow is what He has and He will complete and He will carry out. That's why she said, I haven't seen the end. She said, I have seen the Lord. I haven't seen the end. I have seen the Lord. I have not seen the end. I have seen the Lord. When I was growing up as a boy, they wrote books. And at the end of those books, they would always say, the end. You knew the story was over and complete. Because it said, the end at the end of the book. If you take this book, and you go to the book of Revelation and you go to the last chapter, you will not find a the end at the end of this book. What you find at the end of this book is a prayer, is an explanation to God. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. You see, there is no end to what God does. And our prayer as a church on this day when we don't really know how to pray, is to take the last words of this book. Even so, even so, come, Lord Jesus. In this valley, Lord, come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that with you there is no end. And so we pray the prayer that you chose to use to conclude your book to us. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And Lord, this day, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our loss, we also live in anticipation that you're with us and that, God, you're going to see us through to the next day and the next day and the next day. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this day, if you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and choose to be a follower of His, I want to invite you right now to pray a simple prayer to Him from deep inside of you. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow You, to serve You, And to walk with you. Thank you Jesus. In your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer. Whether it's through our social media platforms. Or whether it's right here in this room. I want to invite you to let us know. So that we can encourage you. Contact us through Facebook. Through email. In person. Call us at the church office. However you want to contact us. But please contact us so that we can place into your hands a little book that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus and so that we can encourage you. Lord, thank you that with you there are no ends. Just new beginnings. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand again.